and meeting all these amazing women that are all on the same page but all doing their own thing in their own fields just gave me such a sense of hope and, and made me realize it's not just about science it's it's about communication it's about ideas it's about thinking in a different way and everybody has the potential to do that In this episode, I chatted to Rowan Henthorne. We talked about her journey across the Great Pacific Ocean to investigate plastic pollution. We spoke a little bit about marine life and just what you can do in your local community to help the environment. It was a really fun conversation, so definitely dive straight in. Hello. Hi there. (laughs) Hi, how are you doing? Good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, really good. Thanks so much for joining me. I thought it would be a really different interview for the show. I think people need to know more about the oceans. <laughs> yeah, thanks for getting in touch. It was um, it was a really nice surprise. <laughs> oh, no problem. But I really like interviewing kind of different people in industries that inspire me. And I've not done one actually yet about kind of the environment and the ocean. And it's something I've wanted to do for a while. So I thought, why not ask you? And you said yes. I was like, brilliant. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, no, that's super cool. I love talking about this. So Cool. Well, shall I just dive straight into it? Yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. Cool. Great to have you on the show. So I'd love you to tell listeners a little bit more about who you are and what you do. Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Rowan Henthorne and I'm a marine scientist. Um, And yeah, my work at the moment focuses around plastics and plastic pollution in our oceans and then also um, climate change and how our oceans can actually um, be restored and protected to actually help us in the sort of transition to a zero carbon future. I feel like we need like a short guide to people that just don't know why there's an issue. Um, if you could do that, that'd be great. Yeah, sure. So I guess for the last couple of hundred years or so, we've been seeing the oceans in our environment as a resource um, and sort of an unlimited resource and, and something that could help us um, prosper without kind of understanding that we need to it's a two-way relationship um, and we need to make sure that we are looking after those natural systems and not taking too much um, and you know really watching what we're putting into those oceans so you know for a long time our waste management has has seen the ocean as as a source of a you know a unlimited source of um, to be able to take our waste and you know that and now we kind of understand that that's not quite true. <laughs> Yeah. And so let's go back to the very beginning. When did your love of the ocean start? How did it all begin? Yeah, I was um so I was l- really lucky growing up on on the Isle of Man. Um my dad used to be a commercial diver, so he would get us in the water as much as possible and um we used to go snorkeling down at a place called Langness and we'd have sort of seals swimming around us and you know or or we'd spend time watching you know looking in rock pools and that really um really ignited that interest in me and I I don't think I was ever really very um clever at school school was not really my thing I hear (laughs) you but I realized that you could do there was a course called ocean science at university and I'd kind of managed to scramble enough to maybe get to university and and then as soon as I went in that first lecture I realized wow this is what I want to do for the rest of my life so I was very lucky and that's where the sort of real passion started I suppose. That's so nice and you're actually based on the Isle of Man now aren't you? Yeah I am so I've um I've traveled 
quite a few different places and, and worked in places all over the world. But um, at the moment, I'm back here and it's really nice to try and make a difference, you know, to the place that first inspired me. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying it here. I'm not, I don't know if I'll be here forever, or, but we'll see. But right now I'm enjoying being here and, and, and trying to put something good in, back into my community. Yeah, that's really nice because I think a lot of us think, oh, if we need to make a big impact, we've got to travel the world and we've got to do it here and there. But if you can actually make an impact in your local community and where you already are, and I think that's sometimes what puts people off. Oh, 100%. I'm such a huge advocate for that. I think, you know, you really should try and, there's a saying, tend to the garden that you can touch and touch what's around you. And, and, you know, even that that doesn't have to be about being into science or, you know, engineering or technology. It it can be as as simple as being kind to your neighbor or, you know, considerate to the person that needs a hand with their shopping bags. And, you know, that's really how we're going to change the world. You know, all these huge fancy um, technology, you know, it's it's actually fundamentally about kindness and respect and compassion and that's how we're going to change the world and and combat a lot of these environmental issues that we face and that's also I think during lockdown it's been very eye-opening in that respect people have kind of gone oh we need to support more locally and everybody needs a helping hand especially when we're stuck indoors so it's been a really interesting time for that yeah it's I think it's been a really good time um to sort of reflect and and reflect on what's actually important to us Mm. and I know for you know for me and you know my friends and family and a lot of people that I've spoken to they found that the important things are spending time with their loved ones or or being outside in the natural world and you know we've kind of been told this idea that we need stuff um, to keep to make us happy and I think COVID's actually helped us to realize that we don't that's that's you know that's not what we need at all we need each other and we need um, a beautiful natural environment um, and that's what really sustains you know natural happiness Oh, I could end the interview there. That's such a nice, <laughs> nice message, but I'm not going to. <laughs> um, okay, so um, in your line of work, do you find then there is a lot of travel? Are you kind of placed in one location for a long time or is there a lot more travel? I think it depends what you do as a, as a marine scientist. So I have a friend who's a turtle biologist and she... Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, she's got an amazing job um, and part of her work is kind of understanding the different populations of turtles all around the world uh, and that needs quite a lot of travel. Um, at the moment, I'm, I'm doing quite a lot of stuff on policy and, um, and stuff locally and I mean, I'll have to travel to the odd conference and that sort of stuff, but, um, but I, I try, at the moment, I'm trying not to travel as much as possible and, and actually that's another good outcome of, of COVID, I guess, you know, that introduction of being able to do a meeting via zoom and I, I mean I love to travel but you know just for the planet I'm having to um having to kind of curb that as much as possible so it's great to connect with people over the internet yeah it's so true we forget that don't we you forget oh it's good for the planet if we don't travel as much but you kind of want to to save the world yeah <laughs> it's a constant balancing act I think and you know it's very easy I think something that you know a lot of people who maybe aren't quite on that environmental path yet kind of go for the hypocrite you know you're being a hypocrite and 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 everybody's kind of being a hypocrite because we're kind of living in a system that doesn't quite work for the planet so (laughs) it's a constant balancing act of of sort of you know of gaining and, and and progressing what we need to progress but not doing it in a way that damages the planet too much 
Yeah, so interesting. I am going to have to try and keep this as short as possible, but I could talk for hours <laughs> with you on this. So um, I'm going to jump into, uh, so you went on an all-female sailing voyage, didn't you, to investigate the effects of plastic on the ocean. I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah, I did. Um, I travelled from um, Hawaii to Vancouver across the Great Pacific Garbage Patch um, with 14 amazing women. Um, so they were from, we were from all different backgrounds. I was one of two scientists on board, but there were teachers, um, filmmakers, policymakers, um, people that design plastic products. And, um, you know, that was what was so special about it was getting, you know, all these really diverse people in a I say in a room in a boat together crossing an ocean <laughs> um uh, and yeah it was incredible it was about three weeks um sailing in total yeah it was amazing wow I can totally imagine and how come it was all female on the crew um so it was all female for a number of reasons so part of that was encouraging um more young women into stems uh, so STEM sector is science, technology, engineering and maths. Um, and currently um, only 12 percent of that sector is made up of, of women. Um, so we really want to encourage more women to get into that sector because we really need that diversity um, and to encourage that kind of different thinking and progression in that sector. And then there's also the fact that plastic pollution actually um, probably has more of an impact on, on the female body. Um, you know, whatever, what limited research there is out there on the impacts of plastic really is showing that it has the impact, the potential to impact our hormonal and reproductive systems. Um, you know, and that's, that's really important for women. Um, and I mm. don't think that's really, you know, that's not really a story that's told very often. I think a lot of the research is often done on male subjects. Um, so it's just about encouraging women to be aware of this issue and potentially inviting them to make changes that can improve their health and well-being as well. And you're so right. That's something that I haven't really heard before. And you just don't think that it would affect you any differently. And um, how did you find the actual voyage itself? Was, was everyone a marine scientist? Had everyone sailed before? Kind of what was the group of people like? No and no. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I was one of <laughs> two scientists on board. But, yeah, there was a real mix of women from all over the world and um, all different disciplines. And most of us had not sailed. I mean, I'd sailed a little bit and I've worked on boats before, but I'd never sailed across an ocean. And, that you know, that was pretty similar for all the girls on board. So I think the first five days of the trip were much rougher than we thought they were going to be and they were affectionately named the baptism of fire by the skipper and she sort of said just hold on you know if, if you can eat try and eat but if you're below deck just lie down because it's it's much rougher than you think it's going to than we thought it was going to be but we promise it will calm down it will calm down so um we definitely had to find our sea legs very quickly I, that's so interesting because i've done a, a little bit of sailing um and you don't realize until you go out how choppy it can actually be and everyone thinks it's great being on a boat but you've got to then conquer that fear of the ocean and sailing as well as then going on this amazing journey about investigating plastic so it must have been a bit like oh crikey <laughs> just in my head when I had been you know imagining this trip I kind of imagined it 
on a flat surface and you don't realize yeah. that you're going to be on a 45 degree angle um, and that you've got to do science and you know trying to even hold a hold a beaker as it's sliding down the deck um you know made everything much more challenging um we kept all of our science equipment in our bunk with us and we often slept with a lot of containers full of plastic and marine life and all sorts of random bits and bobs. It was quite a smelly cabin by the end of the three weeks. <laughs> it's not the glamorous yacht that everybody thinks. Yeah, not quite. <laughs> was there a highlight on that trip? Was there anything or was there anything like that was a real eye opener? Because obviously you've gone to in- investigate the effects of plastic. Was there anything that kind of really saddened you? Yeah, it was, I mean, it was an emotional roller coaster of a trip. Um, and I think for me, I kind of had this idea in my head that we would see, I mean, you know, you hear about this island of plastic. Um, and actually, when you get out there, and you put your, your nets in the water, and you see all this plastic around you, and it, it looks like the most amazing, beautiful blue ocean out there. But as soon as you put your nets in the water, you come up, with thousands of tiny tiny pieces of plastic and and we sailed through that for two weeks you know it's so big so that idea that you know it's almost kind of thought we could go and get a load of boats and a load of nets and and clean it up and the sheer size of it it's huge and just I don't know I guess when you'd see like these amazing sea creatures you'd see we saw dolphins and the most amazing albatross and you just realize what an impact we have had on this planet you know we have not been treating it Mm. with its with the respect that it deserves and um just kind of 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 that realization was really sad and and knowing that you are are part of that and um yeah that was quite devastating at points for sure yeah, I can imagine. And it's something like we're always so shielded from what we're actually doing. You know, we're just living our daily lives. And sometimes you just need that kind of um, reality check. But was there anything on that trip that really inspired you or kind of a best moment? I think for me, um, approaching and, and kind of getting involved in that trip as a marine scientist um probably the most fantastic thing was was really meeting all these amazing women from all different backgrounds all really pushing progress in their own fields and I think sometimes when you're in the field of science um can kind of feel like you're shouting into a void and and nobody's listening and nobody really cares and you kind of feel a bit like you're on your own trying to struggle against against it and trying to convince people to do the right thing and and meeting all these amazing women that are all on the same page but all doing their own thing in their own fields just gave me such a sense of hope and and made me realize it's not just about science it's it's about communication it's about ideas it's about thinking in a different way and, and everybody has the potential to do that that's what really inspired me it doesn't you don't need to necessarily go to university and, and and go down a certain route to make a change you can make a change tomorrow if you choose to and if you choose to make put that in your mindset and that made me feel really excited and that like there, there's so much possibility yeah I really love that and actually since I've started doing the show over the last year and just interviewing different people it's the same kind of feeling where you think everyone is there are people out there all trying to do their little bit for um, humanity and and kind of all have common interests and it, it does make you feel good about life doesn't it yeah I think we're told you know 
looking at mainstream media, you're told all the time that, you know, people are bad, bad things happen. And I think that is that is the minority of things that are going on in this world. The majority of people want to do the right thing and are kind and compassionate. And I think we need to start holding on to a bit more of that because I don't think what we're being told um, is true necessarily. And I don't think it's helping us progress um, and push forward into, you know, to where we need to go really. Yeah. Oh, we're on the same page. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> spoken about the voyage um i'd love to actually give listeners a few tips on what they can do in their daily life to kind of help with this crisis because i think as we said earlier it can be a little bit daunting that you think you've got to do all these big things in order to make a difference but is there anything they can kind of do in their daily life yeah absolutely um i mean i think there's in terms of looking after the ocean, um, there's so many things that you can do and it doesn't really matter whether you're living by the sea or not. Um, obviously, a huge one is to reduce your plastic usage. Um, you know, I know in the UK they're still landfilling things and, and, and that sort of stuff. So, yeah, I would really try and cut how much plastic you're using. If you eat seafood, choose sustainable seafood. Um, so a really good way of checking that it's sustainable is if it's MSC certified it's got like a a green a blue tick that says msc certified there are also other blue ticks that other supermarkets have kind of ripped off so you've got to look for the right one but that means that it's being sustainably sourced um you can just make conscious decisions i'd say and and, and understand that every time that you um spend money you're kind of making making a vote for what what you care about and what you value so you know where you can buy local produce um if you are buying from a company make sure that they have good ethics and values because actually we have the power as a consumer to say what we care about and what we want brands to consider um and that goes for ocean health but also you know social justice and making sure that people are doing you know, having good working conditions, you know, that all aligns with ocean health and, and making sure that we're treating the, the planet fairly. So, you know, make sure that your purchasing power aligns with treating people and the planet fairly. Um, yeah, all sorts. Um, let me just see. And just communicate and, 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 and take the time to maybe do a little bit of research. If you find something interesting, you know, look into it and talk to your friends about it. And, you know, that's really how we're going to um, shed light on a lot of these issues. Um, just by having an active interest in, in talking to people about it, you kind of saw the effect that David Attenborough had um, from Blue Planet and it just went crazy. So. Oh, you've got to love him. Oh, he's, <laughs> he is the best. <laughs> <laughs> I think I wrote to him when I was a kid. And was like, oh, I just, I love you. Can I come on one of your shows? Obviously, that would never happen. But <laughs> just as a scene. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes, because I think it can be really daunting not knowing what you want to do. But it, there's a second question to that, which is I think some people don't really understand even why um, the ocean's being so affected by plastic. So I think, like you said, doing that research and talking to people is, is really, really helpful. But if there's anyone out there who is a budding scientist or would love to get into marine uh, conservation, what do you suggest any courses that they should do? Um, yeah, it'd be really interesting. 
yeah I mean there's some fa- fantastic courses all around the UK um and some fantastic organizations that you can volunteer with um so you don't doesn't necessarily have to go into you know to studying but Plymouth um, University in Southampton and Bangor University do some amazing courses um, and I was actually speaking to a young girl the other day who wants to get into um, marine conservation and photography down in Falmouth which looks like an amazing course I was like wow, oh, wow. away by that um, but yeah look what's in your local area um, the local wildlife trusts always do a lot of amazing stuff and and have volunteer programs um, and it's best to yeah see what's going on in your area um, every area probably has a different set of of issues and you know and and with that you know beautiful amazing things that you'll be able to see and experience and enjoy so it's not all negative um you know I think often we can we because we have to focus on these problems you it can seem like a bit of a doom or gloom subject but it's so incredibly rewarding and you'll learn so much and feel connected to the natural world which you know helps helps our mental health and um we are we are really becoming well we've become very disconnected with our natural world and I think that's very systematic of our of our issues of mental health so getting out in nature whether it is the ocean or just you know into a forest or into a woodland it has got huge you know scientifically proven benefits yeah I've been reading a lot about blue theory and things like that oh it's amazing there's this really good book actually called um the blue mind by Wallace J. Nichols so that's a really good one to check out and that's just all about um the science of why humans like the sea and you know it's so interesting when you think about us going um we go on holiday and want to look at the sea yeah is there anything else you like doing I I read that you might you're a surfer as well is that true Uh, well, I'd, I'd like to go and um, I wouldn't say I was a surfer, but I like to go in <laughs> with a surfboard and get smashed around and get a load of water at my nose. <laughs> but I enjoy that. And um, I love going free diving as well. Just uh, anytime I can get in the ocean, I, I will be in the ocean. And also, you know, I love going with my friends and my partner and going and making a coffee by the sea. Oh. You know, it's just those little things that really give me a lot of joy in life. So um that's that's where you'll find me <laughs> yeah and actually I think people are now especially in the UK are starting to discover that the UK has a lot to offer in terms of amazing beaches and the ocean um but you always think you have to travel far to go and have these big experiences but you really don't you know oh, absolutely there's some really amazing coastline yeah exactly and and I think it kind of goes back to that thing of realizing what's important and actually reading a book by the sea anywhere is is amazing and you don't necessarily need to hop on a on a plane to go and do that and have that relaxation and that that enjoyment from my experience and hopefully lockdown has, has sort of helped people to realize that a little bit more yeah yeah so true we have to ch- pull all the positives we can i've actually got a listener's question and they've asked what your favorite animal is obviously ocean animal <laughs> yeah oh, it's such a tricky one um so many but one that I, I really enjoy is um they're called little cleaner wrasse and you find them um on reefs all over the world and they're like these little they kind of look like a, a little sweet I guess <laughs> they kind of look um humbug stripes um but blue and yellow <laughs> and they um they'll actually clean you um if you if you if you spend enough time in the ocean and around them so I was working in a in a dive center in in Bali and and if 
if you kind of get, I feel like if you get comfortable enough in the sea, they they maybe think that you're a marine creature, and they'll and they'll pick off any of the dead skin on <laughs> on your on your legs and arms, and such a weird experience. But just kind of make made me feel really connected to the ocean that I said so that they maybe thought I was a sea creature. So probably makes me sound a bit weird, but I think they're amazing. <laughs> they're great. And in the UK, I'd say seals. Oh yeah. Seals are, are amazing and, and, you know, so charismatic and they like look into your soul. <laughs> so they're amazing as well. See, I love that answer because I'm sure a lot of people just be like, oh, the big ones, you know, like sharks or whales or whatever. But I, yeah, I love it. Um, and actually, I did recently see that you have your own podcast called Making Waves. And I listened to one episode, which I think was about basking sharks. And it was brilliant. You know, it was just so interesting. Oh, amazing. I'm so glad you had a listen. Yeah, Making Waves. It's been a really fun project. Um, and I'm doing it with my friend, Aaron Ibanez, who's a journalist over here. Um, and it's just talking to really interesting people about the ocean. Um, um, so we, we've spoken to Jackie and Graham, who, who um, run the Manx Basking Shark Watch, and talking about these huge, huge friendly sharks. Um, but there, and then we've also talked to people who've made their own submarines and you know all sorts of amazing characters so if you get a chance it's on it's on all the good podcast provider <laughs> sites um and it's called making waves <laughs> so one thing i did really want to ask you is do you have a career highlight is there just one thing that's happened over the last few years that you're like yep yeah, this was the best thing that's ever happened <laughs> hmm uh, i mean i probably i think the expedition was probably a real highlight and I, and actually I did um, a lot of fundraising to help sort of help get onto the expedition and doing all that and, and having such an amazing community really stand behind me and really support me on something really, it felt so amazing. And um, yeah, meeting all those incredible women and I'd, I'd, I'd have to say that's probably my highlight. I mean, we've already spoken about it, but it was just the most incredible experience and nothing can quite match crossing an ocean and spending time. I guess as a marine scientist, a lot of your time is not spent on the ocean. You have to kind of be at a computer doing bits and bobs. So actually to spend that time and, and look and be on this ocean for 21 days was amazing, was, was definitely a highlight. Yeah. Oh, I can totally imagine. Have you got any other expeditions coming up? Obviously, the situation's a bit different at the moment. Yeah, um, I'm in talks with a guy in Australia that really wants to um, sail around the world for for, for the climate. So called the End of the Earth Challenge. I think the End wow. of the Earth Climate Challenge. And it was meant to go ahead next year, but I think they are pushing it back a year obviously because of covid so um i want to try and help do a lot of the coordination for the climate change research on board so that's a that's a, on the horizon which is which is exciting oh that's super exciting yeah and i hopefully I, i'm gonna sail with them um across the equator from from rio up to trinidad maybe so that would be amazing as well so just trying to get out on the ocean as much as possible <laughs> Yeah, it's so interesting because you never think, oh, you meet marine scientists, you think, oh, you must always be in the sea. But no, like you said, you're doing policy or behind the computer. Yeah, a lot of the time you're actually convincing people to care about it. So it's really important to spend that time for yourself in the ocean or, you know, doing expeditions because it gives you that fire in your belly to make sure that you can keep 
keep talking to politicians and the people that have the power to make decisions. Um, and you have to do that from a place of passion because that's how you get people to listen to you. Yeah, it's so true. Right. I think I know the answer to this one, but I'm going to have to ask you because I ask it to all guests, which is, is there one thing you do every day that makes you feel good and happy? Ooh, I mean, I, I probably don't get in the ocean every day. I get in a lot, you know, as much as I can. So I'd say a couple of times a week, but I just try and have a laugh <laughs> and be silly. <laughs> there's, there's a huge amount to be said for being silly. So I will try and be silly as much as I can. And, and I, I think taking a bit of silliness into places that you shouldn't be silly is a fantastic way to, to kind of make connections with people and, and, and break that silly stigma down that you get from being in, in workplaces where you're meant to be important and proper and professional. So I think take a bit of silliness and, and have a laugh, <laughs> enjoy life. I love that. I've not actually had that answer before, so it's perfect. And it's really honest. So, yeah, thank you for that answer. <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much for taking the time to interview me. It's really it's such a, a really nice thing for you to have approached me to do. I really appreciate it. Oh, no problem. Like, thank you to you as well. Like, I just I find this stuff fascinating and it's really lovely to be able to interview you and also hear about some of the work that's currently happening. So, yeah, thank you. And I'll speak to you soon. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you liked it, make sure you subscribe to my channel, Saturday Brunch with Nadia Harding. I get to speak to a number of great guests this season, so make sure you tune in.